Now in message three, we will begin to consider, <clears throat> we will begin to consider the issue that is the result, the outcome of the second step of reconciliation. There's the issue in the first step of reconciliation where we are reconciled to God from our sins because Christ died for our sins. And the result or the issue of this is first that we have peace toward God. This is a most wonderful inner sense. For someone who was a sinner, excuse me, someone who was a sinner, an unbeliever, living according to the principle of rebellion and lawlessness, now to know he or she has been redeemed, justified, forgiven, regenerated, and now have peace toward God. A normal daily Christian life is a life that inwardly is calm and peaceful. And based upon this peace and this calm, as the issue of the first step of reconciliation, we can advance, as we are seeking to do in this conference, to experience the second step of reconciliation and then to discover and realize what wonderful, marvelous results from this. We not only have peace with God and toward God. We are in Christ and by being in him we are in God. And we will begin to consider enjoying the Lord in full and becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. And so after the first two points on the outline, as a foundation, we will devote the entire message on these two matters. Enjoying the Lord in a full way. And becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. An issue of the first step of reconciliation is that Christ becomes our objective righteousness. He is covering us. We have Christ as our garment of righteousness. 
and therefore we are approved by God according to the standard of his righteousness. Therefore we have peace with him. But there's another major step and that is Christ as our righteousness is not only the garment covering us before God. He is becoming the life and constituent of our inner being. And to bring us into a process of becoming in Christ, well, we could never be in ourselves. We will see that is the righteousness of God. Okay, Roman numeral one. According to the divine revelation in the scriptures, God desires to be one with his chosen and redeemed people and to make them one with him. I just pause here. God desires. My brothers and sisters, are we not blessed to know what God desires? The self-existing, ever-existing, majestic, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, powerful, righteous, holy, God desires to be one with us, these little human beings. Because we are his chosen and redeemed people. We just praise him for this. And then he wants to make us one with him. Then I continue reading point one. We do not have the full understanding of how intensely God longs to be one with us and to make us one with him. We are beginning to understand a little bit what God desires. But here we read, God longs. There's a yearning. Not only a desire, but this yearning, this longing to be one with us. And this longing is intense. It's not just a little feeling a little thought, oh, I would, I really would like it to be one with those people. There's a deep, intense longing in God to be one with you and me and to make us one with him. 
the more we experience being reconciled to God in the second step of reconciliation, the more we will begin to sense the desire in God, the longing, the yearning in God to make himself one with us. And he began to do this through the incarnation. The word became flesh. God became a man, mingled with man. The first step of making himself one with us. Then Christ died on the cross to deal with every negative thing and to remove the barrier between us and God so that in him as the resurrected Christ, we are one with God. This is God fulfilling his desire to make himself one with us. And now the triune God is in us, in Christ as the Spirit, saving us in life, growing in us in life, to make us one with him. Okay, point two. In his salvation, God brings his people not only to himself, but also into himself. So in the first step, we're like that prodigal son who was hungry, who had nothing remaining. He returned to his father's house, ready to be a slave, feeling I'm not worthy to be his son. And the father saw him coming and ran out to meet him and hugged him put the robe on him. This is God's salvation in bringing us to God himself. This is the start. All of us in this conference right now who have believed into the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died for us and was resurrected, We have been saved. We have been brought back to God. But also God's salvation will bring us into God himself. Thus, God's intention in his salvation is to bring his chosen and redeemed people to himself and even into himself. Because the vast majority of believers, the real saved believers, know only the first step of reconciliation. They are simply brought back to God. And even the religious view, an erroneous view, 
that they will spend eternity in heaven. Their their view is they will actually be with God, brought back to God. But in a moment, I'll read some verses that will show us God wants to bring us back to himself and he wants to bring us into himself. And this is what the Lord Jesus says. John 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will receive you to myself so that where I am, I also am, that is where I also, you may be, to receive you to myself so that where I am also you may be. The Lord was going to the death on the cross and then was coming again to to us in resurrection, receiving us to himself so that we may be where he is. Now look at verse 10, telling us where the Lord is. Do you not believe that I am in the Father? I'm in the Father. Now, the Lord is saying, I want you to be where I am, in the Father. Not in heaven, a place, but in a person, the Father God. We need a change in our thinking from a place, the so-called heavenly realm, to the most wonderful person, our Father God. Then the first part of verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. So the Lord always was in the Father. The Father was always in him. He died on the cross for our sins to reconcile us to God. He died for us in order to reconcile us and bring us into God. And then we have verse 20. In that day, that that day is his resurrection, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He didn't say you will hope. Here he didn't say you will think. Or uh, you will believe. He says, you will know. 
Know what? Well, three things here. Three aspects of really one thing. We will know that the Lord is in the Father. And we will know that we are in Christ the Lord. And we will know that Christ is in us. But look at the second matter, you and me. And this me is the resurrected and ascended Christ. He is in the Father. And we are in him. Isn't it so clear? We are in the one who is in the Father. Therefore, we are in the Father by being in the Son who is in the Father. This is the issue of the full reconciliation. We have not only been brought to God, but into God. And then now we come to the two matters of enjoying the Lord and becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. Point three, God's dwelling place, the holy of holies, is the place for him to be the enjoyment of his people. It is also the place where God's chosen and redeemed people participate in the full enjoyment of God himself. So let's look at this carefully. God's dwelling place is the holy of holies. Remember we pointed out in message two that in the new heaven and the new earth the entire New Jerusalem, a corporate person, will be the Holy of Holies. And this is the place for God to be the enjoyment of his people. Our God earnestly desires to be our enjoyment. He knows that he is joy itself, utterly enjoyable for those who are one with him and who are in him. But we need to be in that place. Even eventually we need to be that place by reconciliation in the second step. And then we are in a situation to enjoy God himself. And this is the place where God's chosen and redeemed people participate in the full 
enjoyment of God himself. Now, right now, as we are considering this together, what are we all thinking? What are we feeling? And I would make a comment from two directions. God has an enemy, Satan, the devil, who is also our enemy. And he is accusing us We know from Revelation 12, all the time, day and night. But we overcome him by the blood of Jesus. And then the enemy slanders God, blasphemes God, speaks lies concerning God, saying things like, what what do you mean God is not... God is enjoyable. He's angry at you. You don't want to come close to him. And then in ourself, in our concepts, in our feelings, especially when we've made a mistake or failed or we're fallen in a certain way, then we just hope that we can be forgiven and be at peace. And it's difficult for us to be governed by this truth. God wants us to enjoy him. So we need the light to shine on this. And Maybe in the 1950s, I'm not sure. Brother Lee gave messages on this in a book, How to Enjoy God and How to Practice the Enjoyment of God. And he just shows us God's view of himself in relation to his redeemed people. He wants us to enjoy him. Just consider in in Luke 15, when the son came home and the father covered him with the robe of righteousness, then what did they do? They rejoiced. They had a feast. They were singing. There's even joy in heaven when one sinner repents also mentioned in Luke 15. And so it's very much in the Lord's heart that we would enjoy God himself. Just a couple things here and then one verse uh, to strengthen this thought. In Genesis 2, when God created the first human being. Where did God put him? Not in a desert. Maybe there weren't any deserts. Not in some big ice flow in Antarctica, but in paradise, in a garden of paradise. 
such a pleasant place to live in direct relationship with God. And God indicated to Adam, look at all the trees, including the tree of life. Adam, the tree of life. You can eat of all of these trees, including the tree of life, but not that tree, the death tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This indicates the Lord wanted to give himself to us as life for us to enjoy him. This is his heart, his desire, his intention. And a verse came to mind that is very appropriate for what we're sharing now. And that is John chapter 15 and verse 11. And uh, he says in the previous verses, 9 and 10, leading up to 11, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now the verse. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Isn't this a wonderful word? And he spoke this to the disciples in the upper room, but they represent all of us. He wants his joy to be in us. And then he wants our joy to be made full. And I hope it's okay for me to say this. I read this verse and I realize I'm still learning. I have so much more to learn with the whole body not just alone. Lord, what is it, what's it like for our joy to be made full? We are going to go on, my brothers and sisters, from one degree of joy to another. Peter mentioned this in First Peter. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. So this is the first issue of the second step of reconciliation. It is enjoying the Lord, 
the triune God, in full. Now, the subpoints will make this matter more clear. A says, the blessings of God can be found in the holy place. But God himself is in the holy of holies. In order to have God himself, we must come into the holy of holies. To come into the holy of holies is to come directly into God. And so many of us can give very sincere, genuine, delightful testimonies concerning our life with the Lord, our church life, what we began to experience when we came into the church life. We found the blessings of God in the holy place. And it's something that I never never thought of before. I didn't know there were such blessings. And then now I'm in a realm of the blessings of God. We're feeding on the bread on the table. We're under the shining of the light. And we might have had the thought, because we were young learners, spiritually young, I mean, that this is the best. But there's something higher than that. That is God himself. That is why we need to pass through the second veil to go from something good to something beyond excellent. We can't describe it. We go beyond the blessings of God to God himself by being in God. B, point B, in the holy place we have spiritual enjoyment. But this is not the direct enjoyment of the Lord himself. Now, for a moment, I'd like to speak particularly to the more experienced saints who have been pursuing the Lord for 20 or 30 years, who have been in the recovery for 10, 20, 30 years or more. Is this not true? Do you not have a longing for this? Surely we have had spiritual enjoyment in meeting after meeting, spiritual enjoyment. But now we need to see there's something higher than that. 
Because the spiritual enjoyment in the holy place is not the direct enjoyment of the Lord himself. We may say it this way. We enjoyed what God gave to us. What he gave to us is delightful, sweet. But we need to realize the one who gave these blessings to us himself is by far the highest enjoyment. He wants us to go on from the holy place with the spiritual enjoyment into the holy of holies to have the direct enjoyment of the Lord himself. These words, the direct enjoyment of the Lord himself. We may enjoy the Lord's nourishment and enlightenment, but we do not have God himself or his direct speaking. Well, many of us in faithfulness to the Lord and as a benefit to all the saints, we can testify how we enjoy the Lord's nourishment. We've been at the table of the bread, the showbread. Day by day, meeting after meeting, we have been nourished. Then we experience the lampstand. We're enlightened. But the Lord in us needs to give us a sense. Yes, we're enjoying the nourishment and the enlightening. But we do not have God himself directly or his direct speaking. And this is not meant to be a judgment like saying, what's wrong with you? You don't have the direct enjoyment of God. You're a failure. No. That's the enemy and that's the self. We need to realize there's a, a great step ahead of us. On the other side of the veil is God himself. And that's where God speaks directly. This is for all of us. This is our destiny to be reconciled to God himself, to have God himself as our enjoyment and inwardly have his direct speaking. And C concludes this section, those who have been brought back to God 
in the Holy of Holies will enjoy Christ to the uttermost. And most of us should begin by simply saying amen to this. These words were originally spoken by a brother enjoying God himself. The minister of the age living in God himself. A redeemed sinner, a regenerated child of God like us, who is brought back to God in the Holy of Holies to enjoy Christ to the uttermost. And this word uttermost is something that is used quite often. I'd like to just consider it. Uttermost means it's to the fullest extent. To, it's the absolute, to, total enjoyment. And actually, this will really never end. We know from Revelation 7, in eternity, the Lord will shepherd us, will guide us to springs of the waters of life. He will be leading us forever into the being of God to enjoy him to the uttermost, inexhaustible. We'll never say, okay, that's it. We'll have to kind of repeat things. No, it will never end. God is infinite. What a future we have. And it can begin if we are willing and open for that second veil, our flesh, self, natural constitution, to be broken, then we can pass through this veil <clears throat> into the mingled spirit and live here and then have the sense we are in God. By being in Christ, we are where he is. We are in God, and God himself is our enjoyment. Now, point four, the ministry of reconciliation brings us back to God to such an extent that we become the righteousness of God in Christ. And the scripture reference is Second Corinthians five twenty one. Now in verse twenty we read about the second step of reconciliation. On behalf of Christ, then, we are ambassadors. 
as God entreats you through us. We beseech you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Him who did not know sin, he was made sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Uh, some Bible teachers and theologians think that this verse is talking about the objective righteousness, Christ himself as righteousness, given to us that we may be justified by God. Well, we pointed out, of course, that's a basic truth. Galatians 2.16 We are justified through faith in Christ who is our righteousness before God. That is the objective righteousness. But please note, here Paul says, become the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ. Not in ourselves. That's impossible. But Christ is the righteousness of God. We are in Christ. And the more we are reconciled to God, brought back to God, enjoying God directly, we are becoming in Christ the righteousness of God. On our side, for our sake, he was made sin on our behalf. This doesn't mean he ever sinned. No, he was sinless. But he died in our place. Remember he said in John 3.14, Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up. When he died on the cross in the second three hours, in the sight of God, he bore our sins and he was sin, representing us as sin. So he was there receiving God's judgment not only on the sins, but on sin itself. Never in his nature did he become sin. But in our place, dying instead of us, he became sin so that God could judge sin in the flesh 
Romans 8.3, God sent his son in the likeness of the flesh of sin that he might condemn sin in the flesh. This is Christ dying for us. Not just dying for our sins. Dying for us who are sin. Our constitution, our nature as fallen human beings is sin. Christ died not only as the trespass offering for our sins. He died as the sin offering for the indwelling sin, the sin that dwells in us. And he died in this way to reconcile us to God. Now as the result of being reconciled, we become the righteousness of God. The subpoints should help us. Point A. We are not only justified by God, we actually become the righteousness of God. I believe this. Do you not believe 2 Corinthians 5.21? And believe this personally for yourself. I say this to you on your behalf. You are becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm happy to declare these good news. And I also am becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. B, when Christ died on the cross as our substitute, God considered him not only as the sin bearer, but sin itself. Now in resurrection, Christ comes into us as life. And this life lives within us to constitute us into the righteousness of God. And point B here, the truth is shining so bright. Christ died on the cross as our substitute. We who had sins and we who were sin. Then God considered Christ our substitute, not only as the one bearing sins, God considered him as our substitute, sin itself. When God was looking, he saw sin itself and judged and condemned that. Then the Lord said at the end, Father, receive my spirit. It is finished. 
Then he was resurrected as the proof that God accepted his death as our substitute. And now the resurrected Christ as the life-giving spirit has come into us to cause our spirit to be life. That's Romans 8.10. The body is dead because of sin. The spirit is life because of righteousness. And that Greek word for life is zoe. Our regenerated spirit is life because Christ who is life is one spirit with us. And now he's living within us. As Paul said, Galatians 2.20 again, Christ lives in me. The one who is righteousness, who is life, is living within us to constitute us to change our being, to sanctify us, renew us, transform us, conform us, <clears throat> constitute us into the righteousness of God. But we are becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. Because Christ is righteousness. We are in him as righteousness and he is in us as righteousness. See, in substitution, Christ was made sin for us. Now in his constitution, we become the righteousness of God in him. So we become the whole body. Eventually, every believer from almost 2,000 years will become the righteousness of God in Christ. Are you now able inwardly to believe this for yourself right now? No matter what happened today, no matter what's been taking place in your situation, you have been redeemed. You have been regenerated. You have been reconciled to God from your sins. Now you're in the process of being reconciled to God from yourself. And by being in Christ, as the issue of this second step of reconciliation, you, dear brother, and you, dear sister, are becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. Point one under C, the phrase in him 
means in union with Christ. Not only positionally, but also organically in resurrection. So our position before God is that we are in Christ. This is the foundation. This is the truth. And also, we are in Christ organically. In a living way. In resurrection. In Christ as resurrection. The one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. We are becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. Christ is resurrection. And we are in a union with him. Whenever we live and walk according to the mingled spirit, Romans 8, 4. And as we are in union with him, we are becoming in him the righteousness of God. Point two, when Christ died on the cross, God condemned him in the flesh as sin for us so that we might be one with him in his resurrection to be God's righteousness. Therefore, in the organic union with Christ, we are made the righteousness of God. That is why the bride who has made herself ready to marry her husband, her Redeemer, her Lord, the Son of Man, who is the Son of God, First she had on the robe of righteousness. Christ as objective righteousness covering her so that she would be approved by God according to the standard of his righteousness. But now her wedding garment is composed of righteousnesses. What are righteousnesses? They are the practical expression in our living of the indwelling Christ as our subjective righteousness. Christ is making us the righteousness of God in him. Then as we live him in the mingled spirit, we express this righteousness in doing so many things in preaching the gospel in serving the Lord, in functioning in the meetings, in shepherding saints. We are stitching our wedding garment. We are being made the righteousness of God based upon our being reconciled to God in the second step. Point three, in the organic union with Christ, those who have been brought thoroughly back to God 
not only becoming, not only become righteous, righteous, they are also the righteousness of God. They not only become righteous persons, they become righteousness itself. So let's look at this a little more carefully. First, we are in the organic union with Christ. And then we are being brought thoroughly back to God. So this is a process. We have been brought back to God to some extent. But we have to agree with the Lord, not thoroughly. So we will go on until we are brought back to God thoroughly. Then we are not only righteous, we are the righteousness of God. We are not only becoming righteous persons, we are righteousness itself. Eventually when people meet us, people in the world, where you work, where you go to school, your neighbors, wherever. They will meet not only righteous persons. They may not realize it. They will meet righteousness itself. For, since righteousness is an attribute of God, to become God's righteousness in Christ is to become this divine attribute. In this sense, we become what God is. Here we're at the high peak of the divine revelation. God is our Father. We are His children. We have the life and nature of God. We are the same as God in life and nature. We are becoming the same as God in righteousness. But of course, we will never have the Godhead. We will never be an object of worship. God is everywhere. He's with me in this conference room. He's with you wherever you are watching this video throughout Brazil. You can only be there and I can only be here. But we are becoming what God is in this attribute of righteousness. This is a marvelous verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. My brothers and sisters, you are becoming what God is in his righteousness. Okay, point D, to become the righteousness of God in Christ is a matter of being right with God in our being. This is to have an inner being that is transparent and crystal clear, an inner being in the mind and will of God. So it's one thing to be right in what we do or don't do. 
And so let's say you buy something at a store and then the person at the counter gives you back more money than you should get. And you realize this. And then you say, I need to return this money to you. There's a mistake. This is being righteousness in our behavior. We need this. But sometimes, even many times, we can be right in what we say and do. But our inner being may not be right with God. So we are becoming right with God in our being, in what we think, in what we feel, in so many matters. Our inner being is becoming transparent and crystal clear. Remember, the New Jerusalem is a corporate person, the wife of the redeeming God. The whole city is pure gold, the nature of God, but the gold is transparent. We will be transparent because God is transparent in his being. So our inner being is in the mind and will of God. My brothers and sisters, what a future we have to be reconciled to God thoroughly. Now we're at the point. We're becoming crystal clear, transparent, right with God in our inner being. Our inner being is in the mind of God, in the will of God, in the feeling of God. Lord, work this out in all of us. Now the last point to finish this message. To become the righteousness of God in Christ is the highest enjoyment of the triune God in Christ. To have this enjoyment is to be on the peak of God's salvation on the peak of our holy Zion, God's dwelling place. This is the issue of the second step of reconciliation. Being brought back first to God, that's in the first step, and brought into God himself, the second step, to enjoy him, not only his blessings, but to enjoy him. And then to become him as righteousness in Christ. I have no doubt this will happen. This will be real to every one of us sooner or later. But let's pray that it will be sooner, as soon as possible. Lord, we pray for a thorough reconciliation to God. 
so that we may enjoy God in full and become the righteousness of God in Christ.